In elementary school, growing up, we had um, a friend. I guess you could call her a friend. She became a friend much later in life, a, a really good friend. But in elementary school, of course, you know, the boys and the girls, they kind of had wars with each other. And this girl was a problem. She was different. She looked different. She dressed different. She talked different. She acted different. And of course, kids being kids, we weren't very nice to her. We were actually rather downright mean to Tammy. I look back upon it today and I'm not proud. But I can remember every time she would come close, some of the kids would shout, the cootie monster, the cootie monster. And of course, we'd all scatter and run away from Tammy. And Tammy would therefore try to catch us and she would come up and she'd grab a hold of you and suddenly you had cooties. Oh no, I've got cooties. And Gay would come over and she would go, circle, circle, dot, dot, now you have a cootie shot. Remember that? And suddenly I was better. Well, Tammy would chase you down again and grab you. And I got cooties again. Circle, circle, dot, dot. Now you've got a cootie shot. And you're better. It was a silly little game that we do at recess. Day after day, week after week, month after month. Poor Tammy could never get close to us. We would shun Tammy. We would run from Tammy. We'd call Tammy names. We wouldn't have, wouldn't have Tammy anywhere around. We were so mean to Tammy. She had cooties. Well, my friends, the woman with the hemorrhage had a biblical case of cooties. And it didn't take some little silly rhyme Circle, circle, dot, dot. Now you have a cootie shot to get rid of it. She had hemorrhages. She was hemorrhaging, bleeding out throughout her life. And no doctor could help her. In fact, she spent all that she had trying to get cured. And they couldn't stop the bleeding. She was hemorrhaging constantly, repeatedly. It made her sick. It made her ill. It made her weak. It messed with her thinking process. And she was shunned. Why? Because in the ancient world, in the Jewish world, bleeding made you ritually, spiritually unclean. An issue of blood coming from you made you unclean. If you were bleeding at all, anywhere visible, you were ritually unclean. And if you touched someone else, they would be unclean. If I were bleeding today, I cut on my arm, you didn't see it, but it was there, and then I go over to Ben, and I touch Ben, now Ben is unclean. I was unclean, now Ben is unclean. Sorry, Ben. <laughs> now he can't go to synagogue, I can't go to synagogue, and anybody Ben touches can't go to synagogue. That's the way they viewed it. And it's doubly worse because it's a woman. And women in the ancient world had no power, no authority, no legal entity at all. They couldn't buy, they couldn't sell. By their own power, they had to depend upon someone else. They were outcast already. And if you had an issue of blood for many years, it's known. You might as well have leprosy. You were shunned by the society. 
So here she is. She's already on the lowest rung of the society. She's a woman, just a little bit above a regular slave, by the way. And she's poor. She spent all of her money trying to get well. She's sick, and she's sick with blood coming out of her which makes her ritually unclean, which means anybody that she touches, she makes ritually unclean. This is far beyond cooties, friends. And she can't get well. And now she's going to do something that is horrible in the ancient world, horrible in the Jewish society. She's going to go into a crowd of people that don't know she's there, She's going to work her way through a crowd of people. If they catch her, she's toast. They're going to stone her to death. She moves through this crowd of people to do what? To touch a rabbi, a holy man, a man who's supposed to go into the synagogue and read the Scripture and interpret the Scripture, a man who's supposed to help others, a man who's healing others, a man who's on his way to heal the daughter of the head of a synagogue. And if she touches him, zappo, he's unclean and he can't do his job by the ancient Jewish world's view of things. Ooh. She is in trouble. She is sick. And now she's going to move through a crowd make them unclean, and then make this rabbi from Nazareth, Jesus, unclean. This woman is in trouble. So she sneaks up through that crowd, and she reaches out through that crowd, and she touches the garment hem. This cloaks hem. This part right here. She takes a hold of it. And when she takes a hold of it, suddenly she feels herself made well. She feels that suddenly she's been cured of her hemorrhages. She feels it on the inside. Doesn't take any time. Whammo, it's done. And whammo, Jesus knows it. Uh-oh. She thought she could get away with it. She could sneak through the crowd, get up to him, grab his garment, him, and no one would know, certainly not him. But he stops. It says that immediately he felt power go out from him. And he stops and he looks around. Who touched me? And of course the disciples are plummets. What do you mean who touched you? Look at all these people. We're all touching you, Jesus. No, no, there's a special touch. Someone touched me in a different way. Who touched me? And she knows that he knows. And so she comes and throws herself before him and confesses what she did, even knowing the penalty, what it might be. And I love Jesus' words here. These words, they rivet me. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. Now, there are a couple of words I want to look at here. The first word is faith. Now, faith is an interesting word. It in Greek is the word pistis. 
the verb form is pistuo, but the word here used is pistis. It's the noun form, and it's the substance of one's belief. It is the active substance of one's belief. The verb form is the word, the Greek word pistuo, the verb pistuo, which is the action that is based upon belief, sustained by your confidence, that generates pistis, faith. They have two words. They have a verb and they have a noun. Now, here's a way to illustrate this. This chair is massive. Wow. I usually do this with a folding chair. Wow. Oh, I'm going to get a hernia. Wow, what a chair. Woo. Now, this thing is massive. Solid wood. Nice curvature for the hiney. And a pillow, too. You know, I think, I really believe, y'all can't see this chair here. Oh, boy, that's heavy. Listen to this. Listen to this. Wow. That's heavy. It's solid. It's massive. You know, Ben, I think this chair will hold my weight. I'm a big guy. But Tom sat in this chair. He's a big guy, too. You know, I think this chair will hold my weight. I really do. But you Randy. Randy sat in this chair, didn't he? Uh, yeah. Pound for pound, he was the biggest man in the North Texas Conference. Good friend of mine. Uh, you know, this will hold my weight. I really believe, I really believe that that chair will hold my weight. But I think I'm going to go over here and sit in Ben's lap. You ready? Ready. Uh, <laughs> that's faith there. <laughs> now, is me sitting in Ben's lap rather than the chair faith in the chair? No. It's faith in Ben's lap, which may be foolhardiness, but it's not faith in the chair. My belief that the chair will hold me only becomes pistuo and therefore pistis only becomes faith when I sit in the chair. That makes the belief faith. You know, I could probably stand on this chair. I'm not going to do it. I could probably stand on this chair and it would hold me and that would be faith too. A, a stupid faith. Faith. Faith is an action based upon belief, sustained by confidence. I had confidence this chair could hold me because other people have sat in that chair. It's a big, heavy, honking chair, friends. But until I sat in the chair, took my belief and put it into action, I did not have faith in the chair. This woman... She had belief that Jesus could heal her. She had heard about this rabbi from Nazareth. She knew that he had been healing people. She knew he was on his way to heal Jairus' daughter. This story is sometimes called the miracle on the way to a miracle. She knew that he worked miracles. Oh, she could have looked at him from across the square and believed in him and been healed. I believe that. But placing her body into action, into motion, 
actively taking her belief and applying it, putting her belief into action, and going through that crowd, no matter how difficult it was, and touching his garment him, was the implementation and establishment of faith. That's what she did. She exercised her belief. And it became faith. When she reached out and touched his garment, him, she had faith. And in that moment, she was healed. That's what Jesus said. Daughter, your faith has made you well. That's the second word I want to look at today. Well. Your faith has made you well. That's a tricky translation. It fits with the context. She was sick. She was suffering from hemorrhages. That's the translation we expect. That's the phrase we expect to hear come out of Jesus' mouth. But as is repeatedly true throughout the Gospels, the word for healing here in Greek is the same word which in other contexts is translated saved. The Greek word is sozo. In Greek here it's sesokin, which is just a verb form. The root is sozo. And it's found throughout the New Testament as meaning either saved, delivered, rescued, snatched from, and it also means healed, made whole, made well. It's two sides of the same coin. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has delivered you. Your faith has saved you. Your faith has brought you out of the clutches of this illness. Your faith has delivered you, saved you, transformed you, made you whole. That's what faith does for us. Faith in Jesus Christ, not some chair. Faith in Jesus Christ makes us whole, makes us well, transforms us, saves us, delivers us. Faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in His love. Faith in His faith. Faith in His presence. Faith in His word. Faith in His joy. Faith in His grace. Saves us, delivers us, transforms us, heals us, makes us well. If only we could have the same faith of this woman. And despite, thank you, I heard an amen. An amen in congregation. Thank you. <laughs> if only we could have the faith that this woman had in Jesus. To despite what the world does and what obstacles the world puts in our way, despite all of that, to go through it. Just touch Him by faith. We can do that today. Huh? Yep. That's what the table of the Lord is about. It's what communion is about. It's about touching Jesus again, anew, afresh. It's about being made whole, about being made well, being transformed by His grace 
and His love. In bread, we have the beautiful image of His body. His body which was offered up for us. And in His stripes that His body bore, we are healed. And in the cup, we have the blood poured forth from the cross for our salvation, for the forgiveness of sins as an atoning sacrifice, paying the price of our sin. When we come to the table of the Lord and when we eat and drink with faith, we reach through these elements. We reach through the table. We reach through the cup. We reach through the bread to touch Jesus. It's like touching His garment, Him. To touch Jesus and be made well and whole again. To touch Jesus and to be saved again. To touch Jesus and be transformed again. To touch Jesus and be sanctified again. To receive His grace anew and afresh through this focus of faith at the table of the Lord. My brothers and sisters, today I invite you to come. To come with faith through the crowd. To come with faith through the press of others. To come with faith even though unworthy, even though in need, even though hemorrhaging, even though sick, even though dying, even though a sinner, even though ill unto death. Come and join with the rest of us sinners at this table where Jesus will transform us and make us whole and new again. Come and touch Jesus. Touch His garment, Him in the form of bread and cup. Touch Him and His body and blood and receive anew and afresh the grace that will transform you Make you whole. We're going to the table of the Lord today. All are welcome to come and receive. This isn't a Methodist table. It's the table of the Lord. It's Jesus' table. And so we come today to eat and drink and receive anew and afresh the blessed grace of Jesus Christ our Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And let God's people say, Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and a joyful thing. Always and everywhere give thanks to you, Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the bread of life, breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love became steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn, saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord. God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. 
Holy are you and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. Your Spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to announce that the time would come and he would save your people. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, and ate with sinners. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, he gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night the Lord Jesus ascended, he promised to be with us always in the power of your word and Holy Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, the Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, Take eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup. And he gave thanks to you and he gave it to his disciples and said, drink this all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of the faith. Christ is died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory, and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with your Holy Spirit and your Holy Church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Your prayer.